If you want a rainout, I'll get you a rainout. The Detroit Tigers do not play on Thursday. They'll play a doubleheader on Friday. But MLB Pipeline just had their midseason prospect rankings update, and we are going to discuss where the Detroit Tigers land. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, August 18th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day, swing for the fences on sleeper picks, and you could win up to 100 times your money. Download the sleeper app and use promo code LOCKDOWN, and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out sleeper today. All righty. Well, like I said, the Tigers did not play on Thursday. Uh, they had a rain out. They will play a traditional doubleheader starting at 410 Eastern, I believe, today on Friday. Uh, they will play a four-game set in three days against Cleveland in Cleveland. Um, so let's talk about prospects. We haven't had a true prospect update in a while. Uh, it's been maybe since May. That's the last one I can remember. Maybe early June, but like it's been a long time. And so I want to take this off day that has been given to us and take advantage of it by talking about, and it's good timing as well, because MLB pipeline, as I said, as well, uh, just had their mid season prospect update. Uh, they update, you know, a few times a year and the Tigers have jumped a lot as an organization from the preseason rankings that were for them there's a lot of player movement as well so we're going to go and talk about the Tigers organization talk about some individual players that are different uh, and, and have you know their stocks are on the rise or falling or whatnot uh, and then you know just talk about the direction of this farm system in general okay let's start with talking about this okay before we get into players I just want to say as a whole I don't think prospect rankings mean nearly as much as maybe some people think that they do. And that's not to discredit the incredible amount of work that all these people that make prospects lists and get paid to make prospects lists uh, do because they do a fantastic job and they know a lot of ball and uh, more, more than a lot of people and, um, and their opinion means the absolute world to me and should mean the world to you as well. Uh, that being said, just like the difference between like, oh, this guy's – like if in, in a trade, if you got an organization's sixth-ranked prospect, it's not like guaranteed a better deal that you got that sixth-ranked prospect if you got like the 10th-ranked prospect instead. That's not like, oh, like, yeah, the six-ranked prospect is just more valuable. That's, like, not how front offices work. No front office really, like, deeply at least cares about, like, prospect rankings. That's why there's a million different ones because they're, they're, everybody's got a different opinion on them, right? So uh, I, I don't think that they mean, like, the world, the difference between, like, the 60th-ranked prospect and, like, the 95th-ranked prospect is not nearly as much as, as a lot of people realize. And on top of that – 
Uh, just talking about like pure ceiling, like the, the, that doesn't, you can have a difference of 30 points. That doesn't mean that, or 30 rankings doesn't mean that the, the better ranking is like guaranteed to have a better career. Like it's all, it's all uh, subjective. It's all arbitrary, but that's not in a negative connotation either. These, these people uh, get paid to give their opinion, uh, their subjective opinion on things for a reason because they're very, very smart. So it's important to walk that line. Take the information that you want and then come to your own conclusion is, is kind of how I recommend going about it. But, uh, you know, whatever floats your boat. So wanted to start with that, and I've said that a few times on here. That's not really a new take of mine. Um, let's talk about the Tigers' prospect pool as a whole. Okay, as a farm, they come in ranked as the 13th farm system in baseball, according to, again, MLB Pipeline. MLB Pipeline we're also using because, A, they just had their update, but also very accessible. A lot of other uh, rankings, you know, you just subscription or whatnot, whereas uh, MLB Pipeline, anybody can get their hands on it. So um, Tigers 13th in 2021, the midseason ranking, they were 7th. After the draft in 2021, seventh ranked farm system in baseball, then 10th in the preseason 2022. Then they plummet to 22nd in the midseason 2022. And then in 2023 preseason, just this spring, they were the 25th ranked farm in baseball. Now I said back then, and I'll reiterate it now, I never thought we were a bottom five, bottom six farm system in baseball. I always thought that was ridiculous. Uh, people were massively overlooking Colt Keith alone, in my eyes, like prevented that from being possible. This is before he was even like a bona fide top 100 prospect. Now he's almost a top 25 prospect in all of baseball. Um, and, you know, he's just risen so much over the last calendar year um, that I like – that alone kind of was like, okay, there's no way we're a bottom five, five farm. Um, but a lot of people have, have rose and like Jackson Joe was hurt and he was like out of the top hundred at one point, right? Like there's so many factors in it. Um, so I, I, I wanted to, to start with that, but I also think just aside from the sheer, like they were wrong, there's no way we were actually ever that bad. It's also important to note that this draft did a lot of heavy lifting and not just Max Clark. And Max Clark certainly helps. He's the number three overall pick. Uh, he is a top 15 prospect in the entire game of baseball, according to Pipeline in these rankings. He is the number one prospect in the Tigers' farm system, according to these rankings. Certainly always going to improve your farm when you can just add somebody and they're immediately the best prospect in your system. That being said, I think the whole draft really boosted this farm. And I think that it had to do, again, with the prep uh, influx in talent. We talked about it in the draft day episodes, right? Like the, I liked the draft and a lot of people didn't. And I understand why, but like, I, I loved it. I think that that's a, a really forward way of thinking. It's not a guarantee. It's far from a guarantee, actually very far from a guarantee to like quote unquote work. But if you're trying to add talent, I don't think getting younger is ever like a negative. And there are so many talented prep players that like, if you don't sign in, they're going to go to college and then be first round picks in a couple of years. So like I loved, loved might be a little bit of a stretch, I guess. I was very much in favor. I fully supported the Tigers draft this year. And I think that the, the amount of high end prep talent that was added all at once to this farm system did a lot of good outside from just, you know, adding a top three pick in the draft to our farm. 
So I'm all for it. Now the different, like if the Tigers had come in at like the 19th or 18th ranked farm system in baseball, I would have pretty much no different reaction than the one you're seeing right now. Sure. I don't think we're a bottom 10. I don't think we're a top 10. If we're in the teens, I'm probably going to be like, you know what? That's that's probably fair enough. <laughs> and that's where we are. So 13, top half of baseball. Sure. I'm not going to be mad about it. I, I don't think it's uh, incredibly wrong. But again, the difference between like the Tigers at 13 and the teams that are at like 16 and 17 is not like nearly as much as people think. So we'll take it. I think it's a, it's a fair rating which, you know, last time we did a prospect update, I didn't think it was a fair rating. So I guess that's a step in the right direction. Um, Let's talk about the top 10 players within the Tigers organization, shall we? We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Sleeper. There it is, (laughs) at Sleeper. Do you think that Spencer Torkelson can stay hot and hit another home run tonight against the Cleveland Guardians? Well, If you do, then go to Sleeper and swing for the fences, and you can earn up to a 100 times payout on your money. All you have to do is choose two or more players that you like and select the more or less stat categories like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. If you get your picks right, you could win big. All right, Sleeper has quickly become like the most used sporting app in the country, like very quickly. Uh, Been using them for leagues for years. Everybody uses them now for their fantasy football and fantasy baseball leagues and whatnot, fantasy basketball as well. Um, shout out fantasy hockey. Like they, they, they really are uh, versatile in that sense, but now they're also full on into the fantasy daily fantasy game and they've completely taken over and do a fantastic job as well. So use promo code lockdown. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit terms and conditions apply. See sleepers terms of use for details currently operational in over 30 States. Check out sleeper today. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping the series against the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, Be sure to check out the Tigers home broadcast this weekend on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers. Next thing you know, anytime, anywhere, you can be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast. Okay, let's talk about top 10 prospects in the organization. So the MLB Pipeline top 10 Number one is Max Clark. He's gotten off to a great start. He's only played in eight games, but he has an OPS over 1,000. He's got two homers. One of them's a walk-off. He's got five walks in eight games. Fantastic. Got a stolen base in there, four doubles and a triple. I mean, he already has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That shouldn't have been that hard of math. Seven extra base hits in eight games, eight hits total. He only has one single. (laughs) So he's been remarkable. Um, Really, I... If he stays hot, that's great because I want him to get called up to Lakeland. And the reason I want him to get called up to Lakeland is so I can watch him. I mean, my goodness, there is no accessibility in the complex. I mean, just, it's like it's, it's like every week we get like one video recorded on like a 2008 camcorder from like the top row of the bleachers. And we're like, oh yeah, that was awesome. Like, I, and it's it's like they're playing like dirt ball. Like it's on like a, a sand lot in like some back lot behind a warehouse. Like it, it's crazy to me. It's really wild how little accessibility it has. But um, so partially selfishly, I'm just hoping he gets called up to Lakeland soon. But, you know, development wise, obviously that's more important. And uh, I'm hoping that he stays hot just for uh, the ability to maybe get a taste of uh, some low single A ball at 18 years old before in his draft year. I think that would be a great sign. Number two, Colt Keith, you know, number one prospect in the org was always going to be Colt Keith or Max Clark. 
no matter what your opinion is, uh, I agree with you. Uh, Max Clark, I think, is a phenomenal, like, four-and-a-half tool talent, right? I don't think he's ever going to be, like, a 40-home run guy. But besides that, he's going to be a a phenomenal ball player that could be a plus in every other attribute and still could have 20, 25 even. Maybe that's on the high-end home run power. So uh, I'm very, very excited about Max Clark, but Colt Keith is the truth. Uh, This is a guy who just rakes. Like, he just wakes up in the morning and goes – I want to hit a baseball and does. That was a really weird analogy, but like you get my point. Like he, he just rakes man. And like, I'm so excited about him. He had one bad month when he first got called up to triple a and adjusted. And now was absolutely tearing the cover off the ball again. And, uh, I, I, the ETA on him, according to pipeline is 2024. I'm starting to agree with that. Every day that goes by, I become less and less confident that he's going to get a look at the major league level this calendar year. Um, but, he will absolutely get at bats in 2025. I can pretty much, or 2024, rather. Goodness, I skipped a year. In 2024, uh, I can pretty much promise you that, barring injury. So we'll see. But uh, I'm as excited as I've ever been about a Tigers prospect. Like, genuinely. It's like, like Riley Green is number one in my entire lifetime. Cold Keith might be two. The only people that even rival it are Nick Castellanos, because he was like the only prospect in the Dombrowski era we didn't trade. <laughs> and I was like, wow, he must be pretty decent. And then like Granderson and Verlander, but I was in like kindergarten when that happened. So like didn't really get the full hype of it. That was more of like their rookie years than it was the lead up to their debuts. So like, I- I'm very, very excited about Colt Keith. And I think everyone should be because he's phenomenal. Um, number three, Jackson Job. I think this is pretty much the lock of the list. Uh, Jackson Job is like guaranteed the third best prospect in the organization. Um, and, and you know, this year has been, has been, I think this has been a solid year. I know it's always going to be controversial. People are always going to complain about Jackson Job. Uh, but you have to realize that like, we didn't just take some like Joe Schmo. Like this isn't just some like random dude that was going to be like a ninth round pick if we didn't take him. Um, th- this guy's got incredible stuff. Phenomenal movement, phenomenal spin. Uh, He's developed a cutter now, which is super cool to pair with a crazy spinny slider. Can hit upper 90s with the fastball. He he's the changeup looks good. He's nasty. He's really nasty. There's a couple of things I want to point out. One, uh, the strikeouts and the walks. In 33 innings this season, he has 47 strikeouts. Great number. Only four walks all season. Now, he was out for the entire first half with an injury. That's why it's only 33 innings pitch. He had a back injury, I believe. Uh, But four walks in 10 starts this season. Phenomenal. And in high single A, I almost said high West Michigan. uh, In West Michigan, where he has, I believe it's three starts. Yeah, three starts in West Michigan since getting the call up. He has walked one batter so far in high single a phenomenal stuff. Okay. Um, the flip side, we did one good thing. Now let's do a bad thing. He's given up a lot of hard contact. And he's given up a lot of homers. Uh, he seems to be right now. It's, it really does seem to be, it's either the strikeout or, or the balls hit pretty darn hard. He has given up four home runs in 15 innings in West Michigan and gave up two home runs in 16 innings in Lakeland before the call up. So, um, you know, he had a two, two, five ERA in Lakeland. He's got a four, two ERA. So far in West Michigan, it really is just seems to be most of the damage coming from the homer. 
a lot of pitchers who at a very young age have a very, very overpowering and dominant like slider or breaking ball tend to go through that because if you hang a breaker at the pros, it's going to get crushed. Um, so that's an adjustment that he has to make for sure. Uh, I'm not like very concerned about it at the present moment. Uh, we're, we'll see. But next year, this dude just turned 21 a couple of weeks ago. And I think it's very feasible that he's in double a Erie next season uh, for like a majority of next season, even. So um, I'm pretty excited about the trajectory and, uh, and the timeline of Jackson Job. I'm feeling pretty good about where he's at. Jace Young, number four. This is one of the most fascinating conversations in the entire organization. So uh, in West Michigan, this season, he did really well. He had an 842 OPS, and that was even after kind of a slow start. 14 homers in 81 games, 18 doubles in the same amount of games, obviously. 56 walks and 83 strikeouts. Um, so the thing with Jace is, A, needs to find like a position defensively. Like he's a second baseman. He's going to play second, but like he's really not even a plus second baseman. So we'll see what they kind of do. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they try to throw him in the corner outfield. Wouldn't shock me if they try to throw him at first base, but like, if you believe in Torkelson and you don't believe in an opening in first base for a while, we already have so many players that are like, Hey, look, they're in the minors at least that are like, this guy can hit, but where are you going to put him defensively? Right? Colt Keith has that question. Justin Henry Malloy has that question. Now Jace Young has that question. There's several guys that are all kind of in that same boat. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. It will play out. And at the end of the day, if you're really worried about the position, no one that hits is going to get log jammed. This is an abysmal major league offense. If you can hit, this team is going to find a spot for you, even if you're a liability defensively. Shout out Kerry Carpenter, the dog. Okay. So, like, it's not the most concerning thing in the world to me, but it does put a cap on like his ceiling for sure. Uh, but then he gets called up to Erie. He has a 789 OPS uh, with five home runs in 21 games. So far with them, 241 batting average, had a 254 with West Michigan. The, the reason why this is so fascinating to me, it, not the defensive thing, I just kind of jumped the gun on my point there. The reason why this is so fascinating is because there are so many different opinions on Jace Young. I've heard everything from like, this dude is like, I don't even believe going to ever be like really an everyday Major League Baseball player to like, this dude could be one of the better hitting second basemen at the major league level at some point. And like everything in between. Um, I think I'm not like the mo like the biggest cheerleader of it. I'm not like, Oh yeah. Jace young is like going to be, you know, like Robinson Cano. Like I, I think that that's like a little lofty to be like, he's going to be one of the better offensive second basemen in the league. Um, but I, I was, I'm very glad that this year happened because if he struggled this year, honestly, I would have been out on him. He had a 231 average and a 706 OPS last season. Just couldn't really figure out how to consistently lift the baseball. Only had one home run in 30 games all last year. Took the offseason, made adjustments, huge success for him, huge success for development. I'm very next year is huge for Jace Young. Huge. Right? This is a guy that's 22. He'll be 23 in October. So next year will be his age 23 season. Uh, very, very important season in terms of like uh, uh, opinion of future standing within the team. Especially if by the end of next year, he ends up in Toledo. 
I mean, yeah, you're you're talking about a guy who by the second half of next year we could be talking, you know, having a similar conversation about uh, you know, the ones we're having with Malloy and, and Meadows and Keith and whatnot. So next year, very big year for Jace Young, but has had a has had a nice season. Good for him. Let's get to the number five, and then we'll finish up the top ten before we get into some other noteworthy names. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Marg's. This episode is brought to you by Marg's Sparkling Margaritas. You all know that I love a good drink, and I've been trying to find the replacement for the typical White Claws and High Noons of the world. Thank goodness I stumbled upon Marg's. They are refreshing. They're ready to drink. They're sparkling margaritas, and and they have officially become my go-to cocktail of the summer. They're crafted with real Blanco tequila. They're clean, crisp, and they genuinely taste so good. There's five unique flavors. There's something for everyone to enjoy. I've had these when kicking back after work, watching a game on the weekends, hanging out with friends. I've been packing my cooler with these all summer, and I will continue to do so into tailgate season. I think they're going to be the perfect fall cocktail as well. So visit sipmargs.com to find a retailer near you. That's S-I-P-M-A-R-G-S.com to find a retailer near you. Must be 21 and over to enjoy. Cheers, and please drink responsibly. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. I appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Be sure to check out the Tigers home radio broadcast on the SiriusXM app. Just search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, on the SiriusXM app, you'll be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere. Um, let's finish out this top 10. So coming in at number five is Kevin McGonigal. You know, only a six or seven game sample size for him too, but he's been crushing the ball so far. Has an on-base percentage over 500. Um you know, there's some questions for him as well about where he's going to land long-term defensively. Um, but like at this point, this offense is just so dreadful at the major league level. I- I'll take it. Uh, just give me people that can hit. I, I really, I'm, I-, I cannot even express how little of a concern it is to me that some of these dudes don't have like permanently established positions defensively. McGonagall's probably going to get a legitimate look at short. I don't think he will stick there. Then the natural transition from there is going to be second. We'll see what happens. But I just want people that can hit, and Kevin McGonagall can hit. On draft night, they said this dude might be the best prep bat, pure bat, in the entire class. There were two top five prep bats picked, and we got this dude after the first round. Uh, Very, very excited for Kevin McGonagall. Totally understand why he's number five. I would even have him at number four. I would personally have him ahead of Jace Young, but um, very early in his career as well, 18 years old. So uh, number six, Ty Madden. Uh, It's funny how history is repeating itself. I'm going to say the same thing about Ty Madden. I've said about like eight pitchers so far at the major league level for the Tigers. That's an exaggeration, but you'll get it when I say it. Ty Madden needs to establish a legitimate fastball before I am fully sold on him. Um, I, I really liked the pick when it happened. He should have been a top 15 pick and slipped uh, because of you know bonus pool money and whatever the politics of the major league draft. The Tigers landed him. They got him to sign. Uh, I, I, I really liked the pick. I still really like Ty Madden. Uh, the thing is, he, he just needs a consistent fastball. He's shown outings where he has absolutely diced opponents, like gone six innings with double-digit Ks. He has put together some phenomenal performances, and he's also gotten rocked. And, like, it, it all comes down to to how effective his fastball is going to be on a daily basis, on a start-to-start basis, I should say. So that's the biggest thing for, I'm watching for him going forward. Wilmer Flores comes in at seven, kind of a fall 
from last year. Last year, Wilmer Flores was like the biggest name in the entire organization as far as pitchers go, right? Um, had a phenomenal year last year. Flow, flew through the minors, ended up in Erie, has spent almost, well, not almost, he has spent the entire season in Erie. If you would have said last year that Wilmer Flores wasn't going to end 2023 in, in Toledo, I would have thought you were lying. And uh, he has an ERA just under four. He's got a 3.9 ERA. Not awful. He needs to work on fastball command. Really command of everything, not just fastball command. He needs to work on on command of everything. His command can get away from him at times. Um, and he needs to establish a legitimate third pitch. He has a changeup. He needs to establish it more. But he's a fastball slider plus guy and, and needs to really – establish that that legitimate third pitch those are his two big roadblocks from getting to the next level I would imagine he'll be in Toledo next season uh we'll see how good of a year he has next year uh and and figure out you know when his kind of major league ETA is but um next year is going to pretty much single-handedly determine that and if he struggles again next year I think a lot of people are going to sour on him pretty quickly so we'll see what happens though Wilbur Flores still still a believer still great story uh as well um, number eight, how you lead the recently acquired prospect from the Phillies organization. Uh, he is, like I said, eight. He has walked a boatload. Uh, he's only played in single digit games for uh, West Michigan. Uh, we already kind of talked about what he had done with the Phillies high single affiliate where we're still just waiting for the power. That's my biggest question mark with him. He's going to walk. He's going to put together good ABs. He's not going to strike out a boatload. He's going to hit for like a, you know, middle of the road, solid average, never going to be a 300 hitter, never going to be a 200 hitter. But I'm very curious on what type of power ceiling we're really talking about. 15 homers, 20 homers. That probably is a little bit far-fetched. I mean, can he be like a legitimate doubles hitter? That's the biggest question mark for him. Number nine and 10 are Justin Henry Malloy and Parker Meadows. Not too much of a conversation there. They're lower than I thought. I think they're probably lower. A, they're, if you're just talking about ceilings, then sure. Um, but B, I think like they're like, okay, these dudes are about to get called up. Maybe we don't need to rank them too terribly high. Uh, Malloy, not on the 40 man. So I would be upset, but it wouldn't shock me if he didn't get major league at bats this year. Parker Meadows, there is zero excuse for him to not get major league at bats in 2023. Let's talk about some of the noteworthy movers throughout the season or the last couple of years. Dylan Dingler finds himself at 11. I'm not out on Dylan Dingler. I I haven't like soured on him. I'm not like, you know, taking a big step back on him, but I certainly was more excited his first professional season than I was this year. Um, Last year, he struggled a little bit. This year he did well though. And he just got called up to triple a literally this week. He's played in one game at the time of this recording. Um, he has a, uh, or had rather an 834 OPS in double a Erie and, and is pretty solid behind the plate. Certainly worth getting a call up there. Uh, the, the thing with Dingler is, is just like, he is, he's 24 and he turns 25 in a couple in like a month. So next season he will be 25 and turning 26 by the end of the year. And I, I just, I don't think that he's close enough to where you go into next season and you go Jake Rogers and Dylan Dingler. I don't think, I don't think that's justifiable, right? He just got called up to AAA. He's going to get like a month of AAA under his belt. Um, I just don't think he's there yet. And so I, I think you have to address catcher outside of the organization because it's not going to be Eric Haas either. You need to address catcher from outside the organization. And 
that just puts a weird timetable on Dingler. That 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 kind of not that he won't like debut next year. I think he'll probably get some ABs and injuries going to happen or, you know, post trade deadline next year if we're not competitive. Hopefully we are, but like you get my point. There's certainly going to be an opportunity for him to, you know, make his major league debut in like August or September of next year. But as far as like penciling him in as like, oh, this is absolutely our 1B catcher without a doubt. I don't really know when that's going to happen. Um, and the one thing that would solve that is if he just went up to AAA next year and absolutely crushed the baseball. So that can certainly change uh, the opinion of a lot of people on him. But I think that's why you see him fall all the way to 11. This is a guy that was at one point a top five prospect in the entire organization. Is now not even a top 10. So we'll keep an eye on him. Uh, Brant Herter has had a phenomenal season in uh, Erie. I guess he slowed up a little bit lately. Uh, had a pretty solid first half, though. And currently, he's at a 3.88 ERA. So the phenomenal is definitely way too dramatic. Has slowed down a lot. Um, but had a good first start of the season. Uh, like I said, double A, 24 years old, lefty. Uh, we'll see what he can do. I think he has uh, like reliever potential. Um, but a lot of people, he's he's gone up. A lot of people are are excited about Brent Herter. He's got pretty nasty stuff. Paul Wilson, high school prep arm taken this year, finds himself at 13. He will definitely not pitch an inning of baseball this entire season. They're going to shut down his arm because he's 18. Uh, and uh, next year, he will certainly, uh, I can't wait really to watch him pitch next year. I'm very, very excited about Paul Wilson. Um, Troy Melton, solid. Peyton Graham, fallen quite a bit. Christian Santana, I love Christian Santana. He walks more than anyone. Uh, he has like uh, he has a 380 OBP with a 165 average in 82 games in Lakeland. So like I can love walks all I want. It doesn't matter if you're hitting 165 in the lower single A level. Got to give me something, dog. I, I will become the biggest Christian Santana fan ever if he's even a 250 hitter in the minors. Because he is going to walk so much. But uh, th th I'm literally a, a 250. I'm asking you to raise your average by almost 100 points. <laughs> like that's not like just 250. So a lot of work to do. He's only 19 though. We'll give him some time to make adjustments. Enrique Jimenez, the Tigers' biggest international signing from this most recent International class, he's only 17 and is a switch hitting catcher in rookie ball with an 818 OPS. I love Enrique Jimenez. I have very high hopes for him. He's 17. We're not going to like profile him right now. He's who knows what kind of player he's going to develop into. Um, but as a raw, like young kid, I'm, I'm pretty excited about what he could become. Winsteel Perez had a phenomenal season last year. Phenomenal. Earned himself a 40-man roster spot so that teams couldn't take the him in the Rule 5 draft last year. Hasn't been awful, but hasn't really wowed this year. Didn't really take a step forward. Was pretty middle of the road in AA. Just a solid AA hitter. Got called up to AAA, though, and now has an OPS back well over 800. So um, good for him to kind of turn it around here in the second half of the year. We'll see what happens. I, if, if he... I don't think you can pencil him in to be on the major league roster on opening day next year. And if he doesn't hit well next year, then I think you're talking about a guy who could find himself off of the 40 man. I mean, down to 20, this is a pretty big fall. So uh, we'll see what happens, but uh, I mean, he's showing right now in triple A, he's crushing the ball. So he's showing that he still has that ability. Roberto Campos, formerly the biggest tigers 
international free agent signing ever. Uh, he, he just, he hasn't really, it hasn't clicked yet. He's still only 20 as well. Um, uh, but like 757 OPS in rookie ball in 2021, 711 OPS in Lakeland this year, and then 88 games or last year rather. And then 88 games in West Michigan this year has a 708 OPS still has the raw power, still has the athletic ability, but just is a ground ball machine right now machine so something that he's got to work on for sure um trying to think there's anyone else before i talk about my favorite here uh, isaac pacheco all the way down to 30 plummeted was like a borderline top 10 prospect a year ago uh now is 30 has a 591 ops in west michigan that's a 195 batting average paired with that has just had a brutal season uh, people were really excited about him in 2021 Then 2022 people were even more excited about him. He got better defensively. And then this year has just been brutal at the plate, unfortunately. So hopefully he can make an adjustment. Still only 20 years old himself. Um, Eddie's Leonard recently acquired from the Dodgers at 29 Tyler Madison, friend of the program. We interviewed him probably like a year and a half ago already, maybe even two years ago. Golly time flies, uh, interviewed him. After he was drafted, though, uh, has been a really, really good reliever for Erie. A 1.59 ERA in 14 appearances for Erie and a 3.42 ERA in 19 appearances for West Michigan before the call-up. I think this is a guy who's going to be in the Tigers' bullpen, not on opening day, but at some point next season. That's my take on August 2nd, 17th, 2023. Um, I'm for real. I, I think that I think that he's impressed a lot over the last year and a half. Uh, Luke gold has fallen. Kyder Montero been all over the place has nasty stuff, but really inconsistent from start to start. Danny Soretti, who I liked on draft night, uh, hit for a really good solid average this year. Uh, then got called up to Erie and has really struggled. Dylan Smith has fallen all the way to 24 because he can't stay healthy. I love Dylan Smith. I think he's nasty, but needs to stay on the field and prove that he's nasty. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, another Carson, Carson Rucker. Another uh, prep player drafted this year in the fourth round, just at his first career home run, I think literally on Thursday, the day I'm recording this. Um, and uh, yeah, has, has hit for a pretty good average so far in his short stint. Okay, let's end on Justice Bigby. I have been asked about a billion times over the last two months about my thoughts of Justice Bigby. Here are my thoughts. I love him. This is the biggest story in the entire organization. If you were to point out one thing, Player development-wise, last year, it's Kerry Carpenter. This year, his name is Justice Bigby. This is an absolute dog, okay? He is 24 years old, turns 25 in January, so next year will be his pure age 25 season. Was the 19th round pick in 2021, okay? Had a 738 OPS across two different levels in his draft year. Had a 727 OPS in two different levels last season. This year in West Michigan, he had in 37 games a 333 average and a 543 slug for a 943 OPS. He gets called up. He's played 46 games for the Erie Seawolves, has a 366 average and a 1001 OPS. He got called up and got better. This dude is absolutely in Toledo next season probably waiting in the wings in Toledo next year. And if there's a corner outfield spot, or I mean, if you really want to say a first base spot, it's going to be torque next year. I don't really care what, if you're the biggest hater in the world, 
you got to realize he's going to be the first baseman opening day next year. But um, I think Bigby, it would not shock me at all if this dude got at bats at some point, even if it's at the end of the season next year. One of the better stories of the organization this year. Shout out Justice Bigby. Absolute dog. Um, so that's pretty much it for the standouts. Just as far as the direction of the farm system goes, this is a longer episode. I'm sorry, but had a lot. I wanted to talk about as many players as I possibly could. Um, I, I like the direction of the farm system and not just because they went from 25 to 13. I never thought they were 25. Like I said, um, the ranking doesn't really matter to me. It's just within this organization, uh, we, I've said it a lot over this calendar year. Once Meadows, Malloy and Keith get called up, the top levels of your minor leagues get thin really quickly. Just think about what I just said. Pretty much everybody I just talked about is in double A or lower. So you're talking about uh, an organization who really needs to improve their, their depth, their prospect depth, their farm system depth. And I think that if we maintain this strategy of adding a ton of prep talent, all at once, every single draft, what we had five, six, seven, seven prep players this year. If we're talking about that every single year, this is going to fill out really nicely. And it's one of those things where like college, man, like I, I not that I'm like anti-drafting a college player, just take the best talent. That's really at the end of the day, what I, all I care about. Um, but like you have like a year and a half or two year window to like prove that you're legit as a pro or else you're done. Bryant Packard is one of my favorite prospects ever. He retired this year. He struggled for like 16 months. <laughs> struggled for a year and a half. Raked when he first got into the organization. Raked in college. Tried to pitch by the end of it. That didn't work out either. Literally retired from baseball this year. So like, it, it's just a much smaller window. And there's a lot, there's, there's sometimes a limit to the ceiling. And so... I think that the depth within the organization gets a lot better if it gets younger at the lower levels, right? You're not having 23-year-olds in rookie ball and in low single A that need to fly through the system if they want a chance at playing in the majors. You have much more balance. That's really the word I'm looking for. I'm not anti-drafting college players. You just need more balance. Avila was all college. That was it. We had like the oldest farm system ever. So I think that the, as far as direction of the farm goes, uh, I'm intrigued. I'm not throwing a parade. I don't think that Harris has fixed everything with one draft. But I'm very intrigued if this is going to be the strategy going forward. I'm a lot more optimistic about it than I ever was under Avila. So we'll see what happens. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back on Monday recapping a three-game set against the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, the pitching matchups for those games on Friday when we play a doubleheader. Uh, Scooble versus Williams, game one. Manning versus Curry, game two. Rodriguez versus Bibby, game three. And then game four will be Alex Fajardo against LT Allen. So there you go. Very, very important series for the Cleveland Guardians. Very important. So let's go play spoilers, get weird, and have some fun against one of our biggest rivals. That sounds like a good time. Appreciate y'all. We'll be back on Monday, baby. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch y'all then. Go Tigers.
Oh, I pressed the wrong button. Go Tigers.